So I'm glad you guys are here. I saw people bringing chairs in, so that was a pretty good sign. I'm glad you guys are all here. Did you guys have a fun snow week? Did anybody build snowmen bigger than my snowman? Right here. Right here, you got it? Yeah. I hit one of our teenagers in the face of the snowball this week. It was a blast. I had a great time. It was awesome. I love being there with the kids. I felt like a, I felt like a child. It was, really, it was really enjoyable. So I did a lot of responsible things. I also built a fort um, in my backyard. It was very exciting. Um, there was about 48 hours there. I was about to go insane. We weren't able to leave our house at all. And uh, it was really fun for the first 10 or 15 minutes. But I have an immense amount of ADD and energy, and it was, uh, was kind of chaotic. So I'm glad that we got to get out a little bit. I'm glad that it's gone. It, it was fun while it was here. I'm glad you guys are here this morning. This is our third uh, sermon in the series, Let Go. The whole principle of this series is this, is that we believe when Jesus Christ came, he said these words, he said, listen, I want to give you life. I've come that you can have life, not that you can just have life, but you can have life to the fullest, not just so that you can exist, not just so that you can live, so that you can experience the life that I've created for you. And he says, listen, I've got an immense amount of greatness and purpose for your life. I've, I've gone to the ends of the worlds to create you and to save you, and, and I've come that you can have this life. And, but what we experience in this life, there's a lot of things in this life, there's a lot of things in this world, there's a lot of things in us that hold us back from living that life that God said that we were supposed to live. Things like stress and worry, like we're going to talk about today. Things like fear. Things like pride, like we talked about last week. Things like insecurities. And this is what Paul says um, in Philippians, I mean in Galatians about it. He says, listen, he says, now that you know God, this is the question of the series, now that you know God, now that you're a believer in God, now that you've known Christ, now that you, you're, you're a believer in what Christ has done for you, better yet, now that God knows you, how could you still submit yourself? How could you still give parts of your life over to the elementary principles of the world? How could you, things like pride, things like fear, things like stress, how could you, now that you know God and that God knows you, now that you're a child of God and you're a believer of the word, now that you have these things in your life, how could you still let something like pride or something like fear or something like stress, something like worry or something like insecurities, how could you let something like frustration and anger, how could you let that creep in and take such a hold in your life that it let you let it still seconds and minutes and weeks and sometimes years of this life that God has given you. And that was the question that Paul asked. He said, how could you take some of these things, these things that you're free from, these things that bring nothing but conflict, nothing but stress, nothing but negative things to your life, how could you let them dominate you was the question that Paul asked. And so the whole principle of this series is that there are some things that we need to identify in our life, things that hold us back, things that hinder us in our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, that hinder us and cause conflict in our friendships and our marriages, and, and, and many of them cause us to miss out on some of the great things that God has in store for us and on the purpose that he's put us here for. And so that's kind of the, the purpose of it. The first week we talked about fear, the second week, last week we talked about pride, and this week we're talking about something that statistically affects 94% of us. The other 6% are liars, and that's the thing that they need to let go of. But 94% of us admitted that things like stress and worry and anxiety hold such a, a hold on us that on a weekly basis, we feel the pressures of it. And this is the way that it was in this one Barna study. This is what it said. It said, is there something in your life? Is there an area of your life that causes so much pressure, that causes so much stress, that causes so much anxiety? Is there something in your life like that that causes you to affect other areas of your life? For example, if your job is so stressful, is there something so pressuring at work that when you get home, you take it out on your spouse or you take it out on your kids? Is there something that affects you here that you take it and it affects other areas of your life? 94% of us said yes on a weekly basis. This is true in my life. 94% of us said yes. There, there's something. It's, so, it's such a struggle right now in my marriage or such a struggle right now in my relationships that it's affecting the way that I work. It's affecting my job. It's affecting my career. Or things are so bad at a job, things are so bad right now at, at my work that it's affecting my home life and it's affecting my marriage. And the truth is, man, we got a lot of stuff to be stressed about. All right, we got a real estate market that just depending on what news channel you watch, is, it's either really, really, really bad or just really bad. All right, you've got a stock market, everybody's waiting to crash. You've got this massive divide in our government. You've got America headed down a, a not so rocky, uh, steady road right now. You've got our financial economic crisis. You've got people losing jobs and, and people hating the jobs that they've got. You've got 52, 53% of divorce rate right now. You've got, you've got so many things in this life. You've got your cars breaking down. You've got six feet of snow in your front yard and a driveway that's like this. Maybe that's just me. But those are the things like in our life. There's so much 
in our life to be stressed about. There's so much in our life to be worried about. There's so much in our life. And, and this is not a message of, let me tell you how to fix all those problems. Because you can't fix all those problems. You're always going to have, there's always going to be an opportunity. On Monday, on Tuesday, every night you go to sleep, there's going to be a new opportunity for you to be worried, for you to have anxiety, and for you to be stressed about something new and something worse off the next day. It's always going to be like that. We're always going to have opportunity. That's why, we, that's why 94% of us, not the 6% lot, six liars, but the 94% of us in this room, that's why we can admit that on paper. We can admit that and we can say that and we can look in our life and we can say that, yes, that stress, that worry, that anxiety plays such a role in my life that it affects different relationships and different aspects of my life on a weekly basis. It's just the way that it is. I want to talk about what worry actually is, what stress actually is. The Bible says that worry, stress, anxiousness, anxiety, that it is really just an absence of peace in your life. That's what the Bible says it is. It says it is an absence of peace, that there is a situation, that there's a circumstance, that there's something that you're going through, or there's a time in your life where you don't have peace about being alive. You don't have peace about your marriage. You don't have peace about your job. You don't have peace about where you are or what you're doing. You don't have peace about your financial status. You don't have peace about being able to pay bills at the end of the month. You don't have peace about how you're going to get your car out of the shop. You don't have peace about where your next paycheck's going to come from. That's what worry is. That's what stress is. That's what anxiety is. It's an absence of peace in your life. And when Jesus came and he said, listen, I want to give you life, and I want to give you life to the fullest. I, want, I don't want you just to exist, but I want you to experience. I'm not dying for you so that you could live a life that sucks. I'm dying for you so that you could live a life that I wanted you to live. And I'm sure, I'm just inferring here a little bit, but I'm sure he didn't mean I want you to live a life that is so stressful you can't stand it. I don't want, I'm sure that in, in that idea, he said, I don't want you to live a life that is so stressful that you can't even handle normal relationships and normal day-to-day -day deals. What worry does at the end of the day, what stress does at the end of the day is it sucks the joy out of your life. You ever had a situation, I remember one of my last, last couple days at, in college that we had, we had all the exams and we had all this junk going on and I was in the process of saying goodbye to some really good people that had become brothers and sisters and people that come like family to me. But do you know what really sucked the joy out of those last few days? was knowing that I was going to have to write some of the biggest papers I've ever written, that I was going to have to take some of the most important exams that I've ever taken. I was so stressed. I was so worried about those exams, about those papers that I was not able to fully enjoy the last few days with my friends. Does that make sense? We do that all the time in this life. We're so worried about what's going to happen at the end of the month. We're so worried about where that check's going to come or we're worried about how we're going to pay those bills that for the next 30 days we can't even enjoy being alive because we're so worried about tomorrow. That's what, joy, I mean, that's what stress does. It, it gets us to a place to where we're so worried, we have so much anxiety, we have so much stress that we can't even enjoy the normal day-to-day -day things in our life. And the truth is, and this is just the sad reality, is that for many of us, including me, for a lot of the time, stress becomes such a normal thing in our life that we don't know what it is to not be stressed. Stress has become so normal, that pressure, that, that worry, that anxiety has become so, so abnormal, so a part of us, that it's just, we just think that it's supposed to be there. We just think that it's okay for it to be there. Right, but it's not, because you know that you don't like being stressed. You know that you don't like, and you know that that stress from work when you come home and you yell or you scream at your wife or you yell or you scream at your husband, you know that that's not a good thing. You know that you can't even enjoy hanging out with your kids because you're so worried and so stressed about what's going on at work. You know that that's not a good thing. And at the end of the day, what stress is going to cost you long term, what worry is going to cost you long term, what anxiety is going to cost you long term, it's going to cost you joyful, happy memories with the people that you love the most because you're so worried and you're so stressed about those things outside of it. It's going to suck the joy out of those relationships. And this morning, we're going to, we're going to read something that Paul wrote. And it's important to understand as Paul addresses this idea of anxiety, as he addresses this idea of anxiousness and worry and stress, we have to understand that if there's ever a man that's lived that understands what stress truly is, it's Paul. 
This is a guy that left everything he knew and everything he loved to go after Christ and to go after the gospel. He was a, he was a much respected leader in, in, in the Jewish religious uh, section and he left it all just to be a nothingness in the Christian movement. And it, this was a guy that was arrested like a dozen times. This was a guy that was, uh, they tried to kill him over and over again. He, everywhere he went, people didn't like this guy. He very, had very few friends. People tried to poison him. The guy's luck, I mean, he was shipwrecked twice. You ever been shipwrecked once? All right, this guy was shipwrecked twice, stuck on an island. This guy was in jail or stuck on an island or trying to get killed almost every day of his life. It was something new like this. In fact, the moment that he was writing what we're about to read in Philippians, the moment that he was penning the words that we're going to look at, he was more than likely chained to a wall. We know that he was in prison. We know that he was in the Roman prison inside of Rome. And we know that it's not going to be this much longer after he writes this that he's going to be taken out and he's going to be killed for what he believes in. This is a man that understands stress. And so the fact that he wrote the words that we're about to read will tell you one thing. You know what I hate in this life? I can't stand somebody that has no idea what I'm going through try to help me through something. Can't stand it. I, I don't care if what they're saying is right and I know it. If I know that they've never been through what I'm going through, I just want to punch them in the face. That's just, everyone makes fun of me because I say it all the time. But that's just the truth. All right, that's just my, when I, 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 I'm going through something and you've never gone through it. I don't want you to be like, I understand what you're going through. You don't understand what I'm going through. Shut up. You don't get it. I want to hear from somebody that's gone through what I've gone through. What I'm telling you is that Paul understands stress. He understands pressure. He understands worry. He understands not knowing where the next paycheck's going to come from. He understands not knowing the economic situation. He understands the fullness of what we're talking about. And so when he writes these words, it's important that we hear. It's important that we listen. It's important that we understand. And this is what Paul says about Stress in Philippians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Rejoice. He says, rejoice in the Lord. We don't even talk about that right now because I don't even understand that. Because a lot of times I don't want to rejoice. We'll come back to that later. But this is what he says about uh, anxiousness and about stress and about worry. He says, the Lord is at hand. So don't be worried about anything. The Lord is close to you, so don't be anxious about anything. The Lord is with you, so don't be stressed about anything. All right, let's pray. That was a good sermon, wasn't it? The Lord is with you. The Lord is close to you. If you're a believer, this is true. The Lord is with you, so don't be worried about anything. There's three things that we have to understand about worry. Three things that Paul understood fully. Three things that we have to get and we have to know in our hearts where worry comes from and what worry actually is, what stress actually is, what anxiety actually is in our life. All right, number one, something that Paul understood is that worry is really a trust problem. I mean, I'm sorry, worry is a control problem. We'll get to trust in a minute. Worry is a control problem. Paul got this. I want to say this like this. This is, this is one of the, probably the most important point of the day. There are things in your life that you can control. Right? There are things in your life that God has given you in your realm of responsibility, in your realm of control. There's things that he's given you for you to do. And then there's a whole bunch of things that you're not supposed to do. There's a whole bunch of things that are outside of your realm of control. There's a whole lot of things in your life that are outside of your realm of responsibility. But what we try to do a lot of times as humans, remember how last week I said a lot of what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, the root of this really is pride. Remember when I said that? A lot of this is because what we try to do is we try to exalt ourselves higher than our realm of control. And we try to take on the control of things that we don't need to try to control. And we take on the responsibilities of things that we don't have any business taking on the responsibility for. Let me, let me just make everybody mad by starting it off with this right here. Let's use the classic. And I know, first off, everybody's going to make fun. I know that I just said I can't stand when someone is going through something and, and, and you don't know what I'm going through and, you, and I want to punch you in the face. I get that. Okay, so what I'm about to say is, it's gonna, I'm not, I don't have a kid, and I'm about to talk about parenting, okay? 
So listen close. All right. This is a truth, though. And you, gosh, you're going to be so mad at me. So mad at me. Okay. Parent, child, in your realm of control, please just listen till the end, please. In your realm of control, in your realm of responsibility, in your realm of what you can do with your child, scripturally, is to raise them, take care of them when they're young and they can't take care of themselves, teach them, teach them right from wrong. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, raise them in the word of God, raise them up in the scriptures, raise them according to the ways of God, love them, be patient with them, Endure through their hardships with them. If they do do wrong, discipline them out of love. All right, but here, all that's in your realm of control. We agree with that, right? All that's in our realm of control. And this is the part you're not going to like. Do you know that actually what they do and what they actually say and what they actually think is completely and totally and utterly outside of your control? That's not your responsibility, what they actually do. What they, you can teach them. That's within your realm of control, to teach them what to do, to teach them right from wrong. But your control ends there. And what they actually do with the information that you teach them, what they actually go out and do while they're at school, or they actually go out and do when they grow up and they go to college, or they get a job and they get their own, you can tell them all day long what to do, you can teach them, you can show them by example, you can love them, you can be patient with them, you can endure for them, you can hurt when they hurt, you can, you can go after them, but at the end of the day, you are totally, your job is done when it comes to them actually doing and actually saying, and actually thinking. That's where your control is done. And as much as it hurts, and as much as it pains us, what is done to them, completely outside of your control. Completely outside of your responsibility. You can hate it, you can endure through them, but it is absolutely outside of your control, absolutely outside of your responsibility. But where does the most stress come from in your relationship with your child? The majority of the worry, if not all of it, the majority of the stress, if not all of it, it comes from the things that are outside of your control. It comes when you, you get mad and you get frustrated and you get stressed and you have anxiety and you worry and you go after the way that the, the person that they're dating or the, the person that they're going to marry or the way that, that they choose to do with their life or what they choose to think about God or what they choose to do or say. All those things, those are the things that add pressure and stress into your life, isn't it? Isn't it? You never go, I'm so stressed about the way that I taught them yesterday. I'm so stressed. I don't think I taught them. I don't, I don't think. No, we're stressed about what they do. We're stressed about what they say. I can tell you right now, not from a parent's point of view, but from a child's point of view, I'm awesome at this. Stressing my parents out. I, the best. I'll give anybody a run for their money. I'm just naturally good at it. It's just something that I was just born with. Like, two, three years old, like I just had it down. It was just, it was just a gifting. It's a strength of mine to bring stress to my parents. It's just something I've, I've just always been good at. You're welcome. Okay, but the majority of the stress, they taught me right. They did everything within their realm of responsibility, but at the end of the day, the decisions that I made outside of their responsibility. Do you know whose job it is? Do you know who, where, what job description it leaps into? God's. God's. The majority of the stress in our life comes when we try to take on the responsibilities of God. That's the truth. Worry, stress, anxiety, many times is the result of us trying to take on the responsibilities of God. Trying to control something we have no business controlling. And when we try to control something we have no business controlling, we inherit the stress and the overwhelming torture of that job that we are not fit or cut out to do. Let me, let me tell you another way. I love Courtney with all of my heart. And Courtney loves me with most of her heart. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are things about me that she just cannot stand. Equally as good at stressing out my parents, I'm also as good at stressing out Courtney. It's just another one of those gifts that I have. There, I'm sure, some things in, her, in my life that she would like to be different. Like me taking the trash to the dump. 
Okay? We've talked about that before multiple times. It's a weakness that I have. I forget. We now have trash service. Still forget to take it to the top of the hill. Can't do it. Drives her outside of her mind. I'm sure that if she had one thing she could change about me, it would probably be that. Just remember, I mean, the look in her eyes is sometimes like, I don't understand. You literally, you walk, you have to move the trash can out of the way to get to your car in the morning. Like, how do you just forget to take it up to the top? All right? And she can teach me all day long. And she can tell me it bothers her all day long. But at the end of the day, she can't change me, even if she wanted to. And let's pretend that I was a liar. Let's pretend that I was a cheater. Let's get for real. Let's pretend that I wasn't faithful. As much as she would hate it, and as much would come and the stress that would come into her life from that, and no matter how hard she tried to change me, she can't change me because that's not her job. It's her job to love me. It's her job to endure with me. It's her job to be patient with me. It's her job to be an example of Christ. To me, it's not in her job description to change me. And that's what we do. We try to change our spouse. We try, to we try to change the people around us. We want them to be different, and we can't do it. And we inherit. When we try to take on the responsibilities of God, we inherit the stress that is not our stress that's not supposed to be on us. We inherit the worry that is not supposed to be on us. We miss entire nights by worrying about things that we should never worry about because it's not in our control. It's not in the realm of things that we can do. It's in God's job description. It's in God's responsibility, and we can't do it. We have to give over the control. And this is what I want to say. Do the things that you can do, and then give God the control of all of the things that only he can do. You can't change your spouse no matter how bad it gets. And you can't change your kids no matter how bad it gets. You can teach them. You can be examples. You can love them. You can be patient with them. But when you try to exalt yourself to a higher place to take on the control and the responsibility that is not yours, you will take on a stress and a worry and an anxiety that is only fit for God to handle, and you can't handle it. Period. It's a fact. It will break you. It will overwhelm you. You can't defeat it. It will overcome you because it's bigger than you. It's outside of your realm of control. Let me put one, one personal one. Personal one. I don't have a lot of financial stress in my life because I've been poor most of my life. I spent most of my life, especially younger, from my 17 to 22, with a total net worth of negative $30,000. Okay? School loans and stuff. It's not as dramatic as it sounds. Okay, so that's just me. I've never been one to really, because I've been in a position to where God, if God didn't feed me, then I would starve to death. If God didn't provide for me, I would starve to death. Not, a, not an area I've ever really worried about. Maybe I'm just too stupid to care. I don't know. But it's just not. But do you know what worries me the most? Especially lately, and I'll get more into this later. One of the things that, that I, I continually in my life I try to step into God's job as pastor of this church, as your pastor. Let me tell you what my job responsibility. My job responsibility is to take this word, to study it inerrantly, to pray, and to teach you, and to disciple you from this pulpit when you need me one-on-one, -on -one, to be there for you one-on-one, -on -one, to show you what the scripture says, right, to teach you, to do everything I can to, to endure with you. When, when you. when you go through something hard, you want me there, I'll be there. Right, that, that's, that's my responsibility. Do you know what's not my responsibility? To change you and to save you. I know things like everybody, everybody, everybody knows me, knows I, I believe heavily in prayer. I believe heavily in the scriptures. And I believe that if they're not a part of your life, that you're not living the life that you could be living. I believe that with all my heart. And so I, I try to scream it at you or trick you into it or manipulate you to read the scripture or to motivate you. I do everything I can. And I, and I believe in worship. I believe that worship is such a powerful thing. And I want to see people worship God because I know the amazingness that comes out of it. And I, I know all these things. And I try to teach you and I try to, and do you know where the majority of the stress in my life comes from? It comes when I try to take on the responsibility of making people want to fall in love with God or to want to change and I just can't do that. But do you know that that's kept me up more at night than anything else? Because I'm trying to take on, I can't, I can teach you, I can pray for you, I can walk with you, I can be with you, but if you, what you decide to do is between you and God, that's in God's job description, not my own. The arrogance of me to think that I could play a part in actually changing you. The root of all this is going to be pride, always. 
I take that on. I take on that responsibility that's not my responsibility to take on. It's not within my job description. It's not within what I can control. So I have to do what I can do and then give God control of all the other things that I can't do. Period. You have to take the things in your life at your job. Do what you can do. Work hard. Be faithful to the company. You can't do anything past that. Everything else is on them. Every, you can't control the stock market. You can't control the industry. You can't control your boss, your employee. It's on them. You do what you can do. You hand everything over else to God. Leads us to point number two. To do that, you have to really trust God. Worry, stress, anxiety is a trust issue. And it's a trust problem. Because it's, saying, it's, it's you saying, I don't trust God enough, enough to get this done. I'll say it like this. Wherever you worry the most is where you trust God the least every time. Wherever you worry the most, you'll trust God the least every time. This isn't going to be up here, but I'm going to read this. This is when Jesus talks about uh, stress. He introduces this topic like this. It's interesting that he... All the topics in the world he could introduce this topic on, he introduced it around, what do you think? Money, mammon, materialism, resources, finances. I'm going to read this to you real fast. I'm going to walk us through it. This is what he says. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, because this is true, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even in Solomon and all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the other, he will not, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. O oh, you of little trust. Therefore do not be anxious saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the Gentiles and the pagans, they seek after these things too. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is what Jesus says. He says, at the end of the day, the worry and the anxiety is coming down to a trust problem. He says, you owe oh, you of little faith. How can you not trust me? You live just like the pagans do. Kind of an insult. Pagans don't believe in God. They don't believe in me. They go after these things. They work hard. They're devoted to the resources. That's what he starts the whole thing off with. You can't be devoted to God and devoted to money. You can't serve God and serve money. You can't go after resources. You can't go after the material. You can't go after mammon. You can't go after these things in your life and also go after me too because you will wind up hating the one and despising the other. And he says, the source of this is because you don't trust me to provide the things that you need in your life. So what you do because you don't trust me, you say that you believe in me, you say that you're a Christian, you say that you go after me, but spiritually maybe, but practically you live as if you don't really believe in me at all. Because you still spend your life chasing the things I've already promised to give to you. I told you that I would give you everything that you need. I told you that if you would seek me first, then I will give you the house. It's in my responsibility to take care of you, not you. You are creation, not the creator. I am the creator, and I created you. And just like I take care of the grass in the field and the birds in the sky, I will take care of you because I am your father, I am your creator, I am your savior. I didn't send my son to die on a cross so that you would starve to death. I didn't send my son to die on a cross so that you would freeze to death. I've done the hardest thing there is to do. Why can't you trust me with just a little bit of your finances, just a little bit of your resources, just a little bit of your materials why can't you trust me 
Because your faith in me is equal to the pagans and equal to the Gentiles. You go to church, you own a Bible, you say that you love me, you say that you trust me, but at the end of the day, you will not devote yourself to me first. You will devote yourself to your job and to making money and to filling the bank account, and then if there's some left over, then you will go after me because at the end of the day, you don't trust me to take care of you. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Jesus said, let me make it real plain for you. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm going to. You have no faith in me. Despite what you say, you devote your life to taking care of yourself, and then when everything is okay by your own power, if anything's left over, then you come to me second. That's why he finishes off with, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and then I'll give everything else to you first. I'll bring everything up. I'll provide for you in every way that you need. But if you spend your life devoted to taking care of yourself before you devote your life to seeking after me in time, you will grow to love the one and hate the other, but you will never be able to be fully devoted to both. So he says, make your decision. What will you put your trust in? What will you put your faith in? Your anxiety, your stress, your worry will be connected solely to what you trust God the least in and what you were devoted the most to. Whatever you worry about the most, that's what you were devoted the most to. Whatever you worry about the most is what you trust God the least with. You know what was an amazing, scary statistic? More people said that they trust their children to the church and to God than they do their finances. Fact. Parents all across the land got to make sure the kids are in church. Got to make sure we get the kids in. They got to understand biblical principles. We got to trust them to God. They've got to grow in the Lord. You're going to pay your tithes or give to the church? Heck no, techno. I'm not trusting God with my finances. Are you insane? I'm not going to go through the scripture and see what God has to say about finances and then apply it to my life. That's insanity. Going through scripture, seeing what God has to say, how to handle my money, I'm not doing that. I'll make sure my kids are in church. I'll make sure, I'll make sure my kids are there. They need to be there. I'll trust them to God. But I won't even trust my finances to God. Why do you think Christ, all the things he could have talked about, he talked about this, because this is the thing that we need to know the most. God says, you will devote yourself, you will spend your whole life, waste your whole life worrying and being anxious about and stressed about and devoted to getting the things I promised you from day one I would give you anyway. Don't live like the pagans live. Don't live like the unbelievers live. Put your trust in me. Put your faith in me. Follow after me first, and I will take care of you. I can say with confidence, this is the one scripture that I believe wholly more than anything else. Because I've lived it, and I've seen it. I can promise you, if you go after God first, you devote yourself to God first, you put your trust in God first, he will provide for you. He will never fail you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And you don't have to have the stress and the fear and the anxiety and the worry from making it through this life because he's promised that if you would go after him, he would provide when you need provision. Period. It's the promises of Jesus Christ. How could you believe the gospel message? How could you believe that he died on a cross for your sins and not believe this? It blows my mind. Yes, I believe God created the universe. Yes, I believe God came down to human form in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And I believe that he died on a cross for my sins so that I could be whole and I could be in a relationship with God Almighty. But I don't think that he'll help me pay my bills at the end of the month. That's just dumb logic to me. Number three, worry is an authority problem. Worry is an authority problem. I said it like this. We don't have to worry about the how when we have the who. For me and for many of us, I would think 
The how is what kills me the most in this life. Because we all know that there's things that need to get done, right? We all know that we need to raise our kids for 18 years. We all know that we need to pay the bills at the end of the month. Uh, we all know that, that when our car breaks down, we've got to get it fixed. Well, we all know that, that we've got to make it to work. And we all know that, we, that there's projects and stuff in our life that we've got to get done. We all know that there's, there's, there's things in our marriage that have got to happen or they've got to change. We all know that there's all kinds of things in your life right now you know that they need to be done. And you know that they need to be changed. You know that. But it's not the fact that they're there that gets you. It's the not knowing how it's going to get done that crushes you, isn't it? It's not, know, it's not knowing. Listen, I know that. Okay, here's a big one. I know that we've got to pay this building off in seven years. You guys forget about that? I don't. How that's going to happen? No clue. Can I focus on the how and die from doing it? Absolutely. There's so many things the how gets us. And here's what, here's what Paul's saying. Listen, you don't have to worry about the how when you know who the who is. When you know who the who, the highest authority in your life, when you get that, when you've got the who in your life, right, in Paul's case, it's Jesus Christ. When you know the who, when you know the authority in your life, then you know that you don't have to worry about the how. Because when you take on the worry of the how, when you take on the worry of how things are going to happen or how we're going to get there or how we're going to get our car out of the shop or how we're going to pay the bills or how we're going to move on or how we're going to make this marriage last or how we're going to do that. When you, when you take on that responsibility, when you do that, you are, you are making yourself the highest authority in your life. And you are saying, I'll take care of it. I'll do it. I'll get it. I'll take on the pressure. I'll take on the stress. I'll take on the worry. And Paul says, you got to get the who right. Because if the who isn't right, if you know in your life that you are the highest authority or that something else or someone else is the highest authority and it's not Jesus Christ, the how is going to be impossible for you. You're never going to be able to do it. You're never going to be able to make it. Worry is an authority problem. Taylor, you can go ahead and come up here. Now, this is one of the most important points I'm going to make to you this morning. There are people in this room, I believe with all of my heart, are Christians. I believe with all of my heart are believers. I believe with all of my heart they follow Jesus. They believe the Bible. They believe in the Scripture. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Theoretically, Christ should always be the authority in your life. Realistically and practically, many times, Christ is not the highest authority in your life. You are the highest authority in your life. And you will make the decisions and you will make the choices until things get so bad and you are so empty and you are so broken, then you will begin to plead and then you will become the God and then you will put Christ back as the highest authority in your life and beg him to fix all the things that we screwed up. That's how many of us live a lot. Then there's a lot of people, you don't really know Christ yet. You don't really believe in Christ yet. You think you know God and you believe in a God and, and you think that there's a higher power. And listen, what I'm telling you this morning is that no matter what your background is, no matter where you come from, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you've lost or gained in this life, no matter how what your struggle is, white, black, yellow, poor, rich, fat, skinny, doesn't matter in your life. I am telling you right now, the creator of the universe loves you and wants to take care of you and wants to be the highest authority in your life. And the answer is Jesus Christ. You're never going to be able to find what it is you're looking for. You're never going to be able to find that satisfaction, that peace that you long for so much. At the end of the day, you may not have a problem with worry. You may not have a problem with anxiety, but you have a problem with stress. You may not have a problem with stress, but you have a problem with worry and anxiety. At the end of the day, the result of that is not having the peace of Jesus Christ in your life. And I can promise you, it will never change. You will never have the fullness of life without Jesus Christ being the highest authority in your life. If you're an unbeliever, then you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you're an unbeliever, you need, to, you need to do whatever you need to do to make things right with you and God. And you need to confess and you need to say that I believe in Jesus and accept Him as your Savior. If you are a Christian, you need to start freaking living like one. Right? You need to stop this whole church-going, secular Christian nonsense and live as if you practically and realistically believe that Jesus Christ is the highest authority in your life. Right? He's done everything you would ever need. He has gone to the ends of the earth for you. He's created everything you see for His glory and for you. 
He's got a purpose for you. He died so that He could be in relationship with you. And you need to start acting like you believe it. You need to put it in your life. Practically. And Paul says, and I'm going to show you exactly how to do that, believers. He says, I'm going to show you exactly how to do that. Because at the end of the day, no matter what you say, at the end of the day, those things that you're stressed about are still going to be there tomorrow. As Paul's writing these words, he knows that it's going to be short time after this. They're going to come take him. They're going to unchain him. They're going to walk him out in the courtyard, and they're going to kill him. He knows that. He gets that. But how do I make it through? This is what he says. He says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is what he says. He says, listen, I want to talk to you about something very supernatural. I want to talk to you about something that, that's, that's very, very, very spiritual, yet so, so practical. I want you to understand your life is going to be filled with things to be stressed about. Your life is going to be filled with things to worry about. Your kids, man, they're going to go off and they're going to do some stupid things. Some of them are going to be way stupider than others. There's going to be kids and college kids and they're going to go, they're going to get married and they're going to throw their life away and it's going to destroy you. Some of us have already felt that. Right? Some of your spouses, man, they're going to do things to you that you don't deserve. You didn't do anything to get it, man, but they're going to do it. They're going to lie. They're going to cheat. They're going to go on. There's going to be things to be broke about. There's going to be things to be stressed about. There's going to be things to be worried about. Stock market's going to crash any second, and there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be affected by this. Real estate market's probably going to go back down, they said again, in the next four years, and we're going to feel the heat of that. We're just coming out. There's going to be so many things in your life to be stressed about. So many things in your life to worry about. Paul says so many things, they're going to be there. Always, they're going to be there. But the Lord is near. And you don't need to worry. And you don't need to be anxious. Because when we're anxious, and when we worry, and when we're stressed, and we let that control our lives, we tend to make some stupid decisions. We tend to do things we wouldn't have normally done, say things we wouldn't have normally said. We, we, we tend to just act a fool in many ways. Paul says, so here's what you do. Here's how you handle that worry. Here's how you handle it. Anytime something comes up in your life, anytime something comes up in your life, no matter what it is that brings stress into your life, you bring it to God in prayer in that very moment. You bring it to God in prayer. And you're like, this is another message about prayer. Of course the preacher would talk about prayer. He talks about prayer all the time. No, I'm telling you right now, this is something amazingly supernatural. Now, this is what happens. This is the what. Bringing your worry and your stress to God in prayer eliminates the control problem. It eliminates the trust problem. It eliminates the authority problem. Why? The why is this. Right? Because when you come to God in prayer, it is an act of faith where you are giving up control of that situation, giving up control of that circumstance. You're, you're, handing, you're saying, God, I'm giving you that control because I trust you. I trust you because you are my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are my highest authority in my life, and I'm giving this thing to you. I'm coming to you in prayer. I'm coming to you in supplication. I'm coming to you in thanksgiving. I'm, it's an act of faith. God, I've never seen you tangibly with my eyes. I've never heard you audibly with my ears. But God, I have faith in you and I trust you and I'm giving you control of this situation. I'm trusting you with this situation. You are the highest authority in my life and I'm giving it to you. In prayer, not in thought, in prayer. And then Paul says something supernatural happens. He says there's going to be a peace that you can't even understand that you can't fathom, a calmness that you can't even, you couldn't put in the words if you want, it's going to come into your life and it's going to guard your heart and it's going to guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Does that change the situation? Nope. In fact, the situation may get worse, but guess who's going to be around? You're going to make it through. It's not going to overwhelm you. It's not going to crush you. It's not going to destroy you. It's not going to kill you. Right, you're going to make it through. It's not going to ruin your marriage. It's not going to suck the joy out of your life. It's not going to make you miss out on what's important. Because you're going to know what's important. And you're not going to let your job ruin your relationship with your kids. And you're not going to let the stresses ruin your marriage with your spouse. 
And you're not going to let the world and what's going on in the world and what's going on in the government affect the way that you live and affect your joy and affect your happiness. But I'm going to tell you something right now. You make all the money in the world and you're still not happy? Think you're going to care? Nope. Because you, the only reason you want all the money is because you think it's going to make you happy. No matter what you go after in this life, no matter what you try to do in this life, this is going to be the only thing that's going to bring true satisfaction to your life, the peace of God, period. Not a new house, not a new car, not a new job, not a better job, not more money, none of those things, none of those things, none of those things, none of those things is going to bring the peace that you want so much into your life. The only thing that is going to bring peace into your life, the only thing that is going to bring satisfaction in your life is Jesus Christ, period. That's it. All right? And I'm going to tell you something. Two years ago, I was a little bit more two now. I'm at school. All right? I think things are hard. I'm an idiot. Okay? I'm dating Courtney. My only real responsibility of the week is just going to class. God, I miss that so much. I had bills, but who cares? You're in college. I'd have things to do, but who cares? Just relax. Go to class. Make sure you get some food. Make it to the basketball game that night. Man, things were tough. This is how my life changed in a year. I leave that. I move here. No money. I take on a job. You guys were so dumb to hire me. No experience. I mean, practically. Spiritually, God-ordained, all that great. But practically, no experience, no nothing. You guys just took it on the lip. It was awesome. You know what I mean? I move up here. You don't have to clap. You don't have to clap. You don't have to clap. Huh? I move up here. Nothing. I, I, I'm living. Good friend of mine. My wife's kind of on her way up here. We buy a house. I take over the ministry. We, we do through this. We go through that building project. Remember that? I kind of wanted to kill myself here in it. We go through that whole deal. Everything's so beyond me. I buy my first house. and Within 6 to 12 months, I am a college kid, sleeping late. Only responsibility is class. They're having the responsibility of taking care of Courtney, the responsibility of pastoring church and moving us through a building uh, thing that I had never done before. I never pastored before. I never owned a house before. I never had a lot of bills before. And all the, Do you know who is stressed? This guy. Do you know who had to go to the doctor because he was losing so much sleep because he was so stressed? This guy. Uh, do you know who, who felt so much stress during the course of this building deal that I would actually go home and yell at my wife because I was so impatient and I was so stressed and I was so burdened and I had so much on my life? Me. Right? It's for real. And we can laugh about it, and we can joke about it, and we can pretend like we're not phased about it, and we're the man, and we don't have stress. You have stress. It crushes you. It hinders your marriage. It hinders your relationship with God. It hinders your future, okay? Face it. Drop your pride. You struggle with it, okay? And you need God in your life. And I've always been a man of prayer. I'm not ashamed to say that, and that's not arrogant saying that. I have been born on prayer since the moment that I started to follow Jesus Christ. But I learned a new thing about prayer during this time in my life. It was this scripture right here that got me through. Every time something, in which was every day, something came into my life that I couldn't handle, something that was bigger than me, something that was causing stress in my life, a worry in my life, I would bring it to God, and I would pray, and I would give it to Him, and I would say things like, God, this is now your responsibility. I'm, I'm giving it to you. You can have the stress along with it and take the blame if it doesn't work out. I'm not kidding. Right, that's how I prayed. And I'm going to tell you something. I stand here. Only thing that you, you can either believe me or not believe me. Every time I did that, not within hours, within minutes, overwhelming peace, overwhelming calmness, all the way up until this very year. I mean, all the way up until two weeks ago. Church is getting bigger now. There's more people. There's more responsibility we're talking about maybe hiring another staff person. It's a lot to handle, and I don't even know how to do any of it. But I find myself up here almost every day, and I bring it to God. I submit it to Him, and I say, take it, take control of it. I trust you with it. Take the responsibilities, take the stress, and take the blame if it doesn't work out. And I have the ability to get up and to keep going. This is what you need to find in your life, the ability to let 
go. You know my favorite part about that video that we watch every week? When she says, give me the strength to be weak. She drops the rock. Give me the strength to let it go. Give me the strength to admit my weakness. Give me the strength to hand it over to you. The only way you will see God do anything great in your life is if you get to the place where you can give him control of everything in your life. And I can promise you, when God's peace starts to move in your life, when God's peace starts to move in your life, you don't need anything else. Because you know you are right where you're supposed to be doing, right what you're supposed to be doing, and he is in control, and that is a peace that I can't understand, and it's a peace that can't be duplicated. No drug, no drink, no amount of money or resources could ever put you in a place to feel that kind of peace. That's the peace that you're after. You may not know it, you may not realize it, but that peace, that's the peace you are after, and it only comes through a devotion and a trust and a faith in Jesus Christ. If you guys will stand with me. I pray, Lord God, right now, I pray, Lord, that you will move in the hearts and the minds of the people in this room, Lord God. I know right now, God, I know that there is overwhelming amount of stresses on the people in this room, God. I know that there are pressures of life. There are big, big decisions that have to be made. There are job situations going on. There are marriage situations going on. There are all kinds of things going on in this life. There's all sorts of reasons to be stressed, Lord God. There's so many different things that could overcome us and that could shut us down and take our joy away and stop us from walking and living in that joy and that happiness and that peace that you have for us, Lord God. I pray, Lord, right now that you will let your spirit overcome us this morning, Lord God, that you will let your presence rest in the hearts and the minds of your people this morning, Lord God, and if any person, whether they come to the front or they stay in their seats, Lord God, if they start to submit, if they start to give you control, if they start to hand over some of those responsibilities in their life and surrender some of those responsibilities in their life, Lord, that you will overcome them with that peace that they long for so much, God. I pray, Lord, don't let a single person leave here today stressed, God. Let every single person in this room leave here knowing that you are the God of all gods, that you are the King of all kings, that you have never left us, you will never leave us, you have never forsook us, and you will never forsake us, that you are with us, and that we don't have to be anxious, and we don't have to be worried, and we don't have to be stressed, because you are a sovereign God, you are in control, you are our King and we worship you, and we love you. I pray, Lord, just let your spirit bring peace to us. God, as we sing this song, as we worship you, God, as we give things over to you, Father, if people need special prayer, if people need the altar, God, it's always open. But even if they stay in their seats, Lord, that you will touch them, that you will be with them, and you will let them know that you have done it all. There's nothing left. All they have, all they need is you. They're holy in your precious name. I love you guys.